Good morning. It is time to get up with the mystery solved. Fields fills us in, and what he says makes his future all the more clear. Meanwhile, the KDKO, Mr. Durant, has a lot to say. The question is, does any of it make any sense? Plus, as the old guard of the game moves along, who's got next as the foremost face of the NBA? Those are the questions. Here come the answers. It's time to get up. On a Thursday right now here from the oh, awesome to be here. Oh, Kmart is ready to go. And Tim Legler, here's the deal. You know, she was a goon in, in girl basketball. <laughs> That's so, not right. She's going to set screens and you're going to knock and down She doesn't screens. seem like she minds being called that. No, I do not. She embraces that. Yes. I like it. She was the Charles Oakley of her time. I love it. Right, take a look who else is here. We're ready to go. Tim Hasselbeck and Harry ready to roll. we got a lot to say. And we begin with the drama in Chicago. We know that the Bears have the first pick and the ninth pick in the NFL draft. And they have Justin Fields currently as their quarterback. With all the uncertainty surrounding his future, Fields unfollowed the Bears on Instagram this week. Yesterday, he explained it on the St. Brown Brothers podcast. Listen. Why do people take social media so serious? Like, like, I still mess with the Bears. This and that. I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Every Bears post. Let's see who you follow. Nah, let's see who you follow. See the drive, Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired of hearing the talk. Of course, I want to stay. Um, to be honest, bro, I'll be trying to like, you know, with all the talk, it's it's hard to, you know, I guess kind of just boom be in one place. But I can't see myself playing in another place. But I feel like the biggest thing with all this going on right now, I just want it to be over. Biggest thing right now, he just wants it to be over. Kmart, what did we just hear? A guy who is sick of hearing about his, the speculation, um, and I don't blame him. He's, he, it seems like he's reading the tea leaves just like the rest of us. And as much as he's saying, you know, it's not a big deal, it is a big deal. Because if he felt like he had a firm future in, in Chicago, he would not be unfollowing his team. But I don't begrudge him that. I, if, if you think about the time that Justin has been in Chicago, what he's dealt with on the field, behind closed doors, and now everybody is weighing in on TV, in the comment section, everywhere. No one wants to hear that, so I don't blame him one bit. What do you make of this, Tim Hasselbeck? Uh, listen, I, what I make of it is I, I can't imagine being a player in this era of social media activity. Like, I don't blame Justin Fields for, you know, unfollowing the Bears, unfollowing the NFL. Like, the, you know, we talk about mental health for some of these players. Like, if you're constantly staring at your phone, seeing what every single person's opinion is about your future, what type of player you are, what type of leader you are. Like, that's exhausting. I, I have to be honest. I'm surprised as many players, uh, you know, are active on social media as they are. They're making a lot of money to play. Like, whatever endorsement money they're making off of social media, i to be honest, I don't think it's worth it. So I'm surprised, and I think probably more players should take Justin Fields' lead on this. What do you think, Harry? Well, I don't think just unfollowing the Chicago Bears and unfollowing the NFL is going to allow you to ignore the noise that you're seeing from people. I think in in, in hindsight, all you got to do is press down on your phone and those little apps, they start to shake. And they have a button where you can delete the app overall. 
So I think that would be the best bet to delete all social media apps. But I understand where Justin Fields is coming from. We literally witnessed Tony Pollard not know that Dan Quinn had took the head coaching job for the Washington Commanders because he went off the grid. So if I'm Justin Fields, if I want to ignore the noise, I don't want to hear anything right now, I would completely go off the grid and I would delete all those applications from my from my phone. But I, I do love that he said he, he just wants this to be over. And I think that's... If you're looking at it from the Chicago Bears standpoint, whatever team is going to trade for Justin Fields and for Justin Fields, I think that is the best case scenario for all three parties in this entire situation. Justin Fields is a phenomenal player. Uh, the sooner you're able to trade him, he can be able to get to his team, learn his new teammates, learn the offense, and get the ball rolling in those regards. Look, the words you're about to hear are from an unabashed Justin Fields fan, I've loved him since college. Uh -oh. This what? was brilliantly handled by him again. You, no one has ever unfollowed the Chicago Bears because they're tired of the talk on their timeline. <laughs> Unfollowing someone gives you plausible deniability. You get to make the statement, and then you get to pretend you didn't actually do anything. Let's face what's going on here. Justin is well aware he is out of Chicago. He is well aware he's not coming back. They're trading him. He's beginning the process of moving on. This is something that requires processing, and he's processing it. Remember when he came out of college, they said he couldn't process well enough? He's processing the hell out of this right now. And he is going to process himself right out of Chicago. He's going to bring plausible deniability along with him. By far the best thing the Bears can do for him is to get him out of there as quickly as possible so he can begin the process of proving them wrong mm -hmm. wherever he goes next. Be it Atlanta, be it Pittsburgh, he's going to go there and he's going to show them, you know what? You guys didn't have the first freaking clue what to do with me when I was in your town. Now watch what I'm going to do here. Harry. Yeah, I got to applaud Justin Fields too, Greeny, because he gave the politically correct answer. Right. And I thought it was the right, right answer for this situation. He did not throw fuel on the fire that's happening right now surrounding him and the Bears and whoever they're going to take at the quarterback position. So I thought it was uh, outstandingly a great job by Justin Fields not throwing fuel on the fire as well. That's my point. In a world in which Micah Parsons is essentially reenacting first take with Stephen A. Smith every chance he gets, Justin Fields was able to, in one fell swoop, make a statement, a sort of a passive-aggressive, real statement, and then absolutely tone it down. Man, I didn't mean anything by that. I just don't feel like talking about this on my timeline. Just because we don't follow if each other I'm doesn't mean we're not contemplating a, a, a bringing him in. I like the way this is handled. He's demonstrating he knows how to play the Everything game. about his career thus far has shown that he is able to compartmentalize and handle a lot that's been dumped on him, and I, I applaud him, too. Tim, it's, it's, it's the final word on this. I feel like it's sort of an adult-in-the-room kind of handling of a situation. He knows he's moving on. We know he's moving on. And as he said, the faster it gets done, the better it is for everybody. Oh, there's no question that he handled this. What else, you know, can you say? You could kind of throw a fit, and then that, you know, wouldn't endear you to any Bears fans. It certainly wouldn't, you know, help your situation the next place you go. So, yeah, I think he's handled it perfectly. You know, and, and at the same time, has found himself in a really tricky situation where the Bears – are most likely just resetting the quarterback timeline, you know, by trading him and drafting a quarterback and get him on a. 
All right, guys, we'll leave that there for the moment. But again, Justin Fields, just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to our football conversation. But the NBA is back tonight. A number of monster matchups. And Timmy Legler is here to knock down a couple of threes. Tim, let's start with a game of contender or pretender. The Lakers are currently ninth in the West. Are they a contender or a pretender? I'm going to say pretender. And here's why. I think their ceiling is similar to what their team was a year ago. But the problem is the ceiling overall in the Western Conference is higher. Mm. They're not going to run into a situation in the second round where you get a team like Golden State that just physically could not match up with them. That won't be the case in the West. So, look, they're always going to be dangerous because of their top two stars. But those minefields in the Western Conference look a lot different than they did a year ago. Well, you just mentioned the Warriors. They're 10th in the West. Are they a contender or a pretender? Again, I'd list them as dangerous, but a pretender. They're they're not making a run all the way through the Western Conference. I do think that they're going to get more interesting here down the stretch because I did see some things I liked going into the break. They just look better. They look sharper. They look like some guys are starting to find their rhythm. They got to get Chris Paul back at some point. That's going to that's going to make a big difference. We'll see what happens with Klay Thompson coming off the bench. Ultimately, they're not big enough, and I don't think they're good enough defensively. And don't talk about Phoenix. Suns are fifth in the West. Are they a contender or a pretender? They're definitely a contender because of how good offensively they are when these three guys play together. I think their effective field goal percentage is 55% as a team when they play, 44% from the three. I mean, those are just bonkers numbers. Like That's a team that may be so good offensively, we don't care as much about depth or defensive end of the floor because they're unstoppable. And at times, they look that way offensively. So a team with that kind of talent at the top, I think you have to list as a contender. Absolutely. And, of course, it's led by Kevin Durant, one of the all-time greats. And every now and again, Durant says very interesting things and the entire world needs to react. And that has happened here. Kevin Durant, first you're going to hear what he had to say about the perceptions he feels exist about him and his leadership style. And then you will hear some of the reaction from first take. I'm not as charismatic as my peers. I don't have a personality that's like fit for TV like my peers. And a lot of those stories of what we talk about don't get spoken about in the media. And that's just really what it is. It's like you got to sell what you're doing as well. And I haven't sold it enough, you know, and I feel like I don't I mean, I don't I don't feel like I need to. I don't feel like I want people to call me a leader, but I also don't want people to say I'm not one either. Here's what I know about Kevin Durant. I know that Kevin Durant leads by example. I know the way he approaches his craft. This is a guy that lives, breathes, eats, sleeps basketball. That's a form of leadership. In the end, it is perfectly within, within bounds to sit up there and look at Kevin Durant, recognize him as being an absolutely phenomenal future Hall of Famer, but we would argue that his type of leadership didn't necessarily lead to more success that he could have had. It's an interesting discussion, and Katie's yeah. such an interesting person. He's one of the three players who defined this era of basketball, and I think that's what he's talking about. LeBron James, made for television, more charisma than you could possibly imagine. Steph Curry, maybe the most beloved player ever. And then there's KD, whose game certainly puts him directly with those guys. Is he, in your view, miss? characterized or misunderstood by the basketball public. I think so. And I'm, I'm going to stick with KD a little bit on this one because I think when you look at his leadership style, is it all that different from Steph Curry? Is it all that different from a Kawhi Leonard? Right? But what did those guys do? They were able to take a group of guys and lead them to a championship, a place they hadn't been before. That's the one thing he's lacking. 
if he had won a championship at Oklahoma City, nobody would be questioning his leadership. Now, if you want to say he needed to be a better leader alongside Russell Westbrook to rein him in in certain ways, particularly like late game, good luck with that. Have you ever you know, met Russell Westbrook or watched him play? That can't be an easy thing to do to right. rein in a guy that is that much alpha. So I'm not going to lay that at his feet. I think nobody would be saying squat about Kevin Durant's leadership if he had the one thing on his resume that he's lacking and that he has an opportunity to do it in Phoenix. Not only take a group of guys a place they haven't been, a franchise to a place that they have never been collectively. That's the one thing lacking, and if he gets that done, this leadership question goes away. So I, I just think it's he shows up every day. His approach is his leadership, just like Steph, just like Kawhi. That's how they do it. That's how he does it. I, don't, I think it's an overstatement to say his leadership lacks. That's fair. I am a Durant fan and supporter. However, I do think that the Brooklyn experience does go on his resume and not in a positive way. It's not enough in Brooklyn to say he showed up and worked hard every day because that was such a dysfunctional mess that someone had to step forward and be the leader yeah. and say, Kyrie, this is what, uh, James, this is what, and, and that's not what happened. And it wound up being one of the great disasters that we've ever seen in sports. It's probably the greatest underachievement in the history of the league. And, and, and but, it has to but, go on his, it has to go on does. his record. But the only thing I will say is think of the names you're throwing out there. Uh, it's similar to what I said about Westbrook. Good luck. Go. But he chose those guys. Though, he, the difference is he, he chose them. He, he didn't did. choose Westbrook. But try corralling those type of personalities. But my point is he, he chose he did. to leave Golden right. State and team up with Kyrie and let Kyrie be the alpha instead of himself. And then he was all in on bringing in Harden. There's no way they were doing that if he wasn't in on it. My point is decision-making of that sort yes. is a part of leadership. That's, that's fair. If you want to question his decision-making to make that move, that's fair. Why would you leave Steph Curry for that? We've talked about that ad nauseum. Clearly, what he experienced in Golden State was not fulfilling enough for him. Even at the end of the second championship he won in Golden State, like the look on his face when that was all over with, it didn't look that fulfilling because he knew he was never going to get enough credit because they were already great when he got there. So now he wanted another type of challenge. That's why he made that decision. And ultimately, he paired up with guys that were unreliable, and that thing blew up. So, yeah, I, that's fair. If you want to say what, what kind of decision is that, I don't know if that's as much leadership as it is he made a decision based on something he felt like he needed to fulfill. Yeah, or maybe he thought he could handle those guys and maybe Correct. no one could. And they, now he's finally with the right guy. He's with Devin Booker. That's right. the right I guy agree. to be with. He doesn't need to be led. <laughs> Devin Booker wants it as bad as anybody. Meanwhile, as we continue taking the absolute opposite approach to Kevin Durant is Micah Parsons. Uh, right now, the D in Big D stands for distraction. Can anyone do anything about it? We'll get to that. Plus, three QBs with top talent in the NFL draft. Which teams should do everything they can to get up and take one? Spoiler alert, Legler's team is among them. We're talking about it next. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Get Up is brought to you by Anscape's Sacred Soil, streaming only on Hulu tomorrow. All right, Kmart is here. There's nothing we love more than that picture. Uh, and so let's find out what else might make her make that face. Uh, Kmart, <laughs> would you be shocked if the Ravens signed Derrick Henry? Greeny, I would not be shocked. Listen, the writing's been on the wall for Derrick Henry in Tennessee. And right now, the Ravens are one of the presumably the favorite to land him when you think about their offense. He's he's a piece they need, but imagine pairing him with Lamar Jackson. He may not be the same guy he was a few years ago when he was leading the league in rushing yards back-to-back years, but no guys want to tackle him. You want to talk about thunder and lightning with him Dude, and Lamar Jackson. How about another running back? Uh, Saquon, would you be shocked mm-hmm. if Saquon returned to the Giants? Tricky, but I would not be shocked, and here's why. Joe Shane, the GM, and Brian Dable, they did not draft him, but John Mara has said he would love for Saquon to retire a giant. I understand the financials here. I understand the position. But Saquon, the way he's carried himself, he has always wanted to retire a giant. So it would not shock me if both sides after last year figure out a way to make it happen. We had a good debate on radio yesterday about just what the Giants need to do to to be right by him. It's Mm -hmm. an interesting question. Finally, how about the shocks in Dallas? Dak, CD, and Micah. Would you be shocked if they all get contract extensions this offseason? All right, here we go. I would be shocked. I know this is what Dallas needs to happen. But I think within when you look at all three, someone has to wait. I understand you want to pay all three of them, but does it have to be this year? Dak is the priority. Fix his contract and soon to keep him beyond this year. But I think with Micah and CD, one of those guys has to wait. Well, we'll see. Micah already has his side business. Um, <laughs> oh he is God. now uh, Stephen A. Smith's new co-host on First Take. I'm not sure if you've seen or heard this. 
but he went on the Stephen A. Smith show the other day and he did his best imitation of Shannon Sharp. Listen to this. Besides Patrick Mahomes, Bye. what other quarterback in the AFC has accomplished anything to get more credit than Dak? Joe Farrell. Josh Allen. Did he finish? No. But they got it further. That it doesn't, got it doesn't matter how far you get. If you're going home and you're not in tearing the ring, it doesn't matter. What have they done? They've done more than that. Josh Allen almost made it to the NFL uh, Super Bowl. He made it to an AFC Championship. It doesn't matter. He couldn't, be, he couldn't beat the number one guy. It doesn't Joe, matter. Joe he couldn't beat the number one Joe guy. He couldn't beat the number one guy. Joe Burrow beat the number one guy. And then he lost to Stafford. And then he lost to Stafford. He lost to Stafford. Okay, Greeny, hear me out, Greeny. Hear me out. What are we the doing? more I watch this clip, yeah. it's hilarious. Hilarious. It is hilarious. It is. And so part of me is like, you know what? Micah, bring that guy here because he literally could, could bang with us on this desk. But here's the problem. Micah's 24 years old and he's a Dallas Cowboy. Like that, that is the problem. Like it's just too much talking too often from a young player on a team that consistently underachieves with such high expectations. Listen. But if you just look at it just in a vacuum, that's gold. It's brilliantly that's gold. funny and it's great content and far be it for me to be complaining about things that give us stuff to show you and talk about. But the reality is, yes. Micah Parsons needs to be worried about trying to be the next Lawrence Taylor, not the next Stephen A. Smith. He may have a wonderful career as the next Stephen A. Smith. That can start in 10 or 15 years. It doesn't need to start right now. Tim, as you watch that, what goes through your mind? Yeah, listen, I, guys should do what they want to do in the offseason. Some guys go back to school. Some guys start podcasts. Some guys, you know, just take a break. I think the important thing for any player, and this was a message I certainly saw, you know, various teams communicate to their players, is like, know how you make your money. Like, like, like know what actually is what generates your income. Know what is the best thing for your career. And look, so like, are, are the Cowboys going to lose a bunch of games because Micah Parsons is going on and debating Stephen A. Smith in February? No, like they're not. Like so so I think like in some ways that like, we can't be too critical of a guy that wants to spend his offseason the way he wants to spend it. I just think it's always important for players to understand like how do you make your money? Like do you actually make another million dollars if you have two more sacks rather than, you know, grind it on some podcast all offseason to make an extra 100 grand? Like like think about how you make your money. Like I think that's the most important thing for players to keep in context. Go ahead, Harry. What do you think of it all? Uh, first and foremost, I, I love that players are able to have a platform to be able to, you know, share with the world the way they feel. But when you look at Dallas, man, and I think it honestly starts at the top. When you have an owner in Jerry Jones who does a press conference after every game, we know that no other owner does that. Jerry Jones also at the Senior Bowl unnecessarily talking about Bill Belichick after you already <laughs> said Mike McCarthy's going to be your right. guy. Listen, Michael Parsons is doing what his owner does. So I can't blame him. It, it, do I think it needs to be tapered down a little bit? Probably. But I can't blame him because the guy at the top, Jerry Jones, does the same thing. Th that's, that's the point. point. Yeah. And, and, and when we talk about the culture, I mean, that's where it begins. All I'm saying is, if I'm Joe Burrow or I'm Josh Allen or any of these guys and I'm watching that, 
I don't know. I mean, it's, there was a time when we didn't give people bulletin board material. I guess we're long past that time. Oh, baby, those times have flown by us. Yes. <laughs> One way or another, I mean, it's just a, it's a fascinating turn of events. Keep the talking coming if you want to do it. I'm more than happy to play it back. In the meantime, as we continue, uh, we will talk about LeBron James and Steph Curry on the back ends of their careers. Who is the next face of the NBA? One star says, hey, it's me. We'll tell you whether or not he's right next. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. We are back, bottom of the hour here on Get Up. Uh, Normally, I will give you a fresh green list every single day, but yesterday has got so much reaction that I wanted to bring it up with our new crew in here today. These are the top five moves I believe should happen during this NFL offseason. I believe Devontae Adams should be traded to the Jets. Stephon Diggs traded to the Cowboys. Justin Fields to the Steelers. The Raiders need to move up and draft a quarterback. And the Giants need to make the aggressive move up to number three and draft Drake May. I believe Brian Dayball became an NFL head coach because of the work he did with Josh Allen. I think there are similarities there. I think Drake May will be the third quarterback off the board, meaning he'll be available when we get to number three. Tim Hasselbeck, you've made it clear what a fan of his you are here. What do you think of the move, the pairing, if you will, of Brian Dayball, quarterback, whisperer, et cetera, making the aggressive move in New York up to number three to take Drake May? Greeny, you're going to get any pushback from me on drafting Drake May, especially if it's, uh, you know, after two other people select the quarterback. I I just, look, I think it's great. I think it'd be great for the Giants. Whatever you think about Daniel Jones, the reality is he can't stay healthy. He's hurt every single year. That's a problem. You need to do something else. And so drafting a quarterback, especially one that, look, I believe is as good as you know, any prospect I've watched coming out, yeah, like go ahead and do it in terms of, you know, what the Giants need, being able to handle the market, all of that stuff. I think it's a great fit. I think it's an absolutely great fit. And if I were anybody else, I'd be trying to get in front of the Giants to prevent it from happening. Well, that, that's the reality of it. I mean, it has to be the Giants can't do this by themselves. It takes two to tango, as they say. And so someone in the top three would have to be willing to make a trade. We don't expect it to be the Bears trading back that far. We, The commanders sit there at number two and the Patriots sit at number three. What do you think of this, Harry? The idea of the Giants making an aggressive move up, it would require the Patriots being willing to trade down. 
Yeah, I love that move for the New York Giants. And I firmly believe that they need a quarterback moving forward. You look at Daniel Jones, two touchdown passes, the six interceptions in the games that he played last year. And we also can't forget, Greeny, he just tore his ACL in November. When August rolls around, he will be nine months since he uh, tore his ACL. That's not good if you're looking at Daniel Jones trying to play in 2024-25 season. I know, you know, the parameters on guys being able to come back nowadays from an ACL injury is different from what it, the way it was back in the days. But uh, I don't feel comfortable Daniel Jones being a quarterback of the New York Giants being nine months mm -hmm. removed from an ACL injury. So I really like this as well. There's times where you see Daniel Jones as being Danny Dimes, but there's also times you see him be the big apple turnover. But I think, like Tim mentioned, the most important part, he's always injured and always hurt. And Kmart, there, there is, as we talk about in which cities the specter of Bill mm -hmm. Belichick being unemployed may linger and hover, mm -hmm. the Giants is always going to be one of those places. He has a long-standing, close relationship with the ownership there. And if things go south for Brian Dayball, a guy who was the coach of the year yes. a year ago at this time, yes. that could be a place, so there could be pressure there. I can one-up you. A GM literally hit me up this week saying who he's already hearing could be in play for, for that job if this season goes astray. For the right? Giants. Yes. Like, that, that, like, I need people to understand where the Giants are right now. They have the, the GM and the head coach that they thought this would work with Daniel and all that. And it's what we've seen with the coaching staff. There are a lot of questions about Dable now, despite being the head coach of the year recently. Um, so the Giants – Season is going to be one to watch because it could go a myriad of ways, and it wasn't even Belichick that was mentioned. No, and, and so, look, there's any number of ways that could go. So there's that situation. And then there's the Raiders or the other team that I mentioned. And, you know, Tim, it feels to me like this is an interesting draft. There are the three quarterbacks who we all expect to go at the top in whatever order they wind up going, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, and Drake May. And then there is another group which includes J.J. McCarthy from Michigan and Bo Nix, uh, most recently from Oregon, and perhaps Michael Penix, who took Washington all the way to the championship game. The Raiders may not be able to get all the way up to one, two, or three, but they may need to move up to get in front of a few other teams in order to make sure they get the one from that group that they really like. Those, I think, are the kind of moves we'll be watching for around the draft as well, Timmy. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, and I think the question ends up being, you know, you kind of d delineated, you know, you know, two different groups, basically. You know, separated the top three from that next two you mentioned, or possibly three that you mentioned. And I think you got to be careful at that point. Is Aiden O'Connell the answer uh, for the Raiders? Probably not. And so, especially with, you know, Antonio Pierce taking over and being the head coach and wanting to probably go his own direction at that position, I think the thing you have to be very careful against is saying, all right, let's go ahead and get J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix or Michael Penix or one of those guys if they really aren't the guy. You can't do it just because they're the next best available. You're way up in the draft to do that if they aren't the guy. And I think that there are going to be some real concerns. Penix is a long injury history. I think the other two guys, you can make legitimate uh, you know, concerns and questions about their accuracy, and that would be a big problem if you're trying to build around it. So, Harry, very quickly, you like the Raiders to move up or you want them to sign a, a, make a move for a veteran, whatever veteran might be available? 
I think anyone. Uh, I do believe that they can sign a veteran quarterback like Russell Wilson, let him play for a year, and then draft a quarterback at 13 and let that guy be groomed and take his time playing in the National Football League. Therefore, you don't have to rush him to go out there instantly and go through those heartaches that we've seen Bryce Young go through last season with the Carolina Panthers. So I do believe they can sign a veteran guy for a one-year deal, let him take over for that year, Draft a quarterback at 13, let that guy sit, and then take over for the 2025 season. You can sign Russell Wilson for next to nothing, stay in the division. That'd be an interesting road for them to go. Everyone stay right where you are here with the football, but I'm going back to the NBA. Let's take a look at where we stand right now as the season's ceremonial second half begins tonight. These are the standings in the East. The Celtics firmly on top. A bunch of teams are making a push to try and get into that second spot, but you can see how far ahead Boston is. Timmy Legler, let's play a game of fact or fiction, all Eastern Conference questions. Right. If I said Jalen Brunson is a legit MVP candidate, is that fact or fiction? That's a fact. I think he's going to get votes. And, and I, you know, I was thinking about this. When you look at the teams in the, in the NBA that you think have a legitimate shot at making a deep run, he is as identifiable with this franchise when you think of them as any of the other guys. Luka, Jokic, Giannis, any of those guys. This is his franchise. He has elevated them to that status. His play backs it up. He's great in, under pressure. Question is going to be, do they win enough games? And they're pretty banged up right now. We'll have to yeah. see. There are real questions about Julius Randle. Let's go to Milwaukee. If I said Doc Rivers is going to turn things around for the Bucks, is that fact or fiction? I'm going to say faction. I'm going to combine the two. Here's why. <laughs> I do think... I do think we're going to see the best of the Bucks down the stretch and into the postseason. I, they're going to be better. They can't be worse. They hit rock bottom. I think that was important against Memphis. They're all going to have to recalibrate. But here's the reason. It won't be because of Doc necessarily on the fly midseason. Very difficult to have an impact. It's going to come from Giannis's leadership. He is going to make guys accountable and get that team better defensively. And then if I were to say the Celtics – are just clearly the best team in the NBA. Is that fact or fiction? That's a fact. I just think they've been the best team all year. When you look at that starting lineup and you look at five guys that are two-way players, nobody else in the league can say that to the extent that the Boston Celtics can. When you look at the guard play uh, with Derek White and Drew Holiday, obviously the two all-star forwards, and then the upgrade at center for Perzingis over what they've had in the past without giving up that much defensively because of his rim protection, but he's so much better offensively that now you look at a team and say there are just so many different ways to beat you. There are one vulnerability, Greeny, when they settle for too many three-point shots and they don't make you work defensively. They allow teams to guard them. That's the one thing that they have to keep in check because they really can do it any way you want to to win a game. Right now, they have been the best team to this point in the season. And they're led by one of the best players in James, uh, Jason Tatum. And he believes, he himself believes, he could be more than just a great player. In an interesting interview with The Athletic, Jason Tatum was talking about being the face of the NBA. He said, I feel like it's mine to take. I do feel like if we win a championship, it would be more distinguished and clear. But I understand I'm in that short list for sure. Now, earlier this morning, we were talking about the quote-unquote old guard of the NBA. This league has belonged to LeBron James and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant for a long time. All of them are one way or another on their way out, and we're waiting for someone to step in and fill that void. Is Jason Tatum the next face of the league? I don't know that he'll ever be viewed as the face of the league. Look, there's no denying he's, he's an all-caliber, all-NBA type player, an MVP candidate, you know, year after year. I think eventually going to be an NBA champion, maybe this year. 
I think there's something to the understated and stoic personality that prevents you from becoming the face of the league. And that's kind of who Jason Tatum is. We just had this conversation about Kevin Durant and his leadership style. I think Jason Tatum is very similar in his approach to it, right? Shows up, plays hard, plays every night. He's not a guy that's super demonstrative or in, in any way overt in his leadership. And I think as a result, maybe that prevents you from becoming the face of the league. Doesn't mean you can't be considered one of the best players in the league. Maybe even the best. He could maybe ascend to that title, although that might be difficult. I don't know about the face of the league. I think that's a totally different component of what goes into that title. Well, the reality of it is, look, I mean, the, the, there has the globalization of the game has led us to a place now where so many of the best players are international players. Right. The two most obvious candidates to me right now to be the next face of the league are Giannis and Luka Doncic. Yeah. Those are the two guys who have everything. They've got the game. They've got the personality. They've got, the, they've got all of the charisma. They've got all those things combined. And the fact that neither of them are American, I don't know that that makes any difference anymore. And then eventually we'll see about Victor Wembanyama. Clearly they want him to become that guy, also obviously not American. It's much too soon to tell if that matters. I don't know that it makes any difference that these are international players in the world in which we live anymore. I think Giannis and yeah. Luca feel like the best chances to become the next faces. I agree. And I don't know if you remember this. We did a segment on this topic when we were ending the last decade. And we said the next decade will be defined by huh. fill in the blank. And I said Giannis Antetokounmpo and Luka Doncic. And the decisions that they make in terms of do they stay with one organization? Who do they pair up with? Because it seems inevitable that Luka is going to be a multiple-time MVP in this league, and I think he's going to be a multiple-time champion at some point. I think Giannis probably has got another championship in him. He's already been multiple-time MVP. So I think a lot of that this current decade will be defined by their decisions, who they play with and what kind of talent they get around them. And those guys probably are still, you know, I think a little bit ahead of the scale in terms of Jason Tatum and face of the league status. First, Jason Tatum has to win a title. And he's been on the precipice so many times. This is his best chance. Everything yeah. is aligned for the Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum to win a championship this year. Yeah, there was a moment there where the league belonged to Giannis. It was during the COVID period yes. and everything else. But he won the championship, and it sort of felt like his. Luka's got to get there. Tatum's got to get there where there were a few other options. In the meantime, you got great options for basketball viewing tomorrow night. Our NBA Friday doubleheader. we got Donovan Mitchell taking on Tyrese Maxey, Cavs and Sixers. Then you will see Giannis against the great Anthony. Anthony Edwards and the Timberwolves. Our coverage tips off with NBA Countdown at 7 on ESPN and the ESPN app. Coming up, is college football broken? Nick Saban with strong comments. Jay Billis with the solution to it all. Don't miss it next. Get up on ESPN. Proof that black girl magic is everywhere? Look no further than the women who took their talents to the Winter Olympics. Debbie Thomas was a world champion figure skater in 1986 and went on to win bronze in the 1988 Winter Olympics. Manetta Flowers is the first black athlete ever to win a gold medal at the Winter Olympics, taking home the top prize for bobsledding in 2002. Women like Alana Myers-Taylor, a world champion who has competed in the bobsledding competition since 2007, are carrying the torch and reminding us that black girl magic is all around us. We are back on Get Up. Our next feature is Sound Off. Interesting people saying 
Interesting things. And it begins with Jay Billis during a time of enormous transition, if you will, in college sports. Here's Jay's evaluation of NIL and the transfer portal and his solution for whatever it is that is struggling in the NCAA. The solution is sign the players to contracts. They're employees, and you can sign them to a contract and put a buyout in it if you want, just like with coaches. It's really not that difficult. But we're trying to walk the line of maintaining amateurism, which is dead, and then we're complaining about NIL. It's not what we thought it was going to be. What did they think was going to happen? You know, it, like, I knew this was going to happen. So that's Jay's perspective, and he's been talking about this for years. Nick Saban, who, of course, recently retired, says he wants to be a voice for change in college football. And he said very directly to our Chris Lowe, what we have now is not college football, not college football as we know it. You hear somebody use the word student athlete, that doesn't exist. And so this is something that exists in college football, this time of evolution and in college basketball. And so we put together the group here. Tim Legler, I'll just start with you. As, as we look at a world of NIL players deciding to come back to school because they're getting half a million dollars, a million dollars to go back to school. We are seeing coaches complaining about the transfer portal. I can't keep a roster together and all the rest of that. What is your perspective on where we are? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I know a lot of coaches, and I talk to a lot of coaches, and it's, it's amazing across the board what this has done to them. And just, and just in terms of the way they view their job and the way that I think it's actually forced some guys out of coaching because they just don't even want to deal with this. And I actually agree with a lot of what Jay had to say from this standpoint. And look, and I'm a former player. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to get my hands on some of that money. I wish they had some NIL when I was coming out. I think my, I think my jumper would have got some cash. But here's the thing. It's professional sports now. It's professional sports. Let's call it what it is. Guys are getting paid to play. But it's professional sports without any restrictions really whatsoever on the player. They can take money to go to a school and it doesn't work out for them. They can leave the next year and go to another school and take money from that school as well. So that's really what Jay is saying. You, you want to put something in place where there's a contract between the player and the university where there's a buyout if they want to go and it's a negotiated contract. I think actually that probably makes the most sense to get this. It'll never be fully under control and I don't know actually where this is headed because I've also talked to other people that say, you know, look, they just keep going to the same people year after year in terms of the university to get the money to pay these guys and they just keep asking for more at some point the, the amount of good money thrown after bad it starts to open up you know, the eyes of the donors and they start to go well you know I don't know if I can keep cutting these checks because a lot of these checks to these players they're not paying off you're guaranteeing mid-major players a money journey when you don't even know necessarily they're going to crack your rotation coming in and so that's where we're at right now and I think the only solution may be a contract where now you have a situation where the player has some restrictions on what they do and there is some sort of, of something in place to keep them more tied to the university they signed with in the first place. Here's the only thing I will say. When it comes to the coaches who are complaining that they can't keep their rosters together, I don't know that I can put it any more clearly than this. I have zero interest in hearing from them. Let me give you a statistic. In 2018... 21 college football coaches were hired at the Division I level. 21 of them. Do you know how many of those remain today at the school where they were hired? One. Now, some of them were fired, but most of them were not. 
Most of them moved on to better opportunities because that's what they've been allowed to do forever. So you can miss me with the idea that, oh, these players, uh, they have no loyalty and they're not staying with the programs and all that stuff. Until the day that the coaches honor their contracts, I'm not the least bit interested in hearing about how this is making their lives more complicated. What do you think, Harry? Greeny, like the thief in the night, you stole one of the things I was just going to bring up. When you look at these coaches, not only uh, changing schools like kids eat M&Ms, but also look at the money that these coaches are making as well. I'm all for NIL and these guys being able to make the amount of money that they can make. But I, I also believe there have to be some kind of parameters. Uh, there has to be some kind of structure because it, it, it's sad to me yeah. that a high school kid is trying to see what school is going to pay him the best money versus wanting to go to a school because he loves that place and it's the best for him moving forward. That's where we are. It's a bidding war amongst college sports and college athletes nowadays, but I think there has to start being some kind of parameter, some kind of you know restrictions and structure in place so we're not all over the place within NIL. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, I would I would say this. Look, I, I don't I actually don't think this is like coaches versus players in this. I think plenty of coaches are like, look, we're fine with guys, you know, making money and getting paid, just like coaches are fine getting paid. I think the bigger issue with just like the contract scenario is who's representing the players? Like what what's the like when we talk about pro contracts, like the NBA has a union, Major League Baseball has a union, the NFL has a union for an ob- for obvious reasons. And so uh, like when now you're talking about, you know, 17, 18 year old kids at times signing contracts, like who's, you know, working on their behalf? Like, I think that's the part of this that like th- that's much harder to, to kind of gather and put together than I think people are making it out to be. But ultimately, yeah, we look at the current state of things. It's really harmful to high school athletes. Uh, it's probably harmful to the game in general. And that isn't necessarily a good thing for the health, health of it long term. All right. Let me leave it there for the moment because there are a few other things I need to get to here. But we'll come back to this. It's obviously a conversation that's not going away. By the way, our ESPN spring training schedule starts this afternoon. Cactus League game between the Dodgers and Padres 3 Eastern. Kevin Brown, Eduardo Perez, Tim Kirchin, Alden Gonzalez have the call. It's also available on the ESPN app. Now, if you will indulge me for a moment, I must share some personal and very sad news for us here on our program. So we at Get Up are very proud of this show. We're very proud of what we work to put on the air for you every single day. And we're very proud of the group that participates in that every day. Since we're all here all hours of the day and all hours of the night, this is a particularly tight crew. We know about each other. We become a family of sorts. And it is very painful for me to tell you that we've lost a member of that family. His name is Dean Ellington. He was a technical director with us on Get Up. He died suddenly on Tuesday night. Some of the work that he did that you would recognize when you're watching uh, our show and you see us, our faces pop up on the screen In the middle of a highlight, it was Dean who perfected that. Whenever a new technical person started on our crew, it was Dean who taught them. Whenever anyone had a question, it was Dean who answered and always with a smile on his face. You wanted Dean to be your friend, and he was a friend to everyone at ESPN. He worked on college game day, on the NFL draft, on SportsCenter, and here on Get Up, he impacted so many shows and so many people in 22 years at ESPN. He will be greatly missed. 
And we send our thoughts and our most sincere condolences to his wife, Terry, and their two children. We'll be right back. 